Hey y'all, you're listening to episode 24 of the One Chit Wonder Board Gaming Podcast. And to celebrate our near milestone of hitting 25 episodes, we are going to spend the next two episodes talking about our top 10 games of all time. Today, we are going to talk about numbers 10 through 6. And by episode 25, we will do the final five and you will get to finally see what kind of gamers we are. Yeah, I think it's a good chance for us to to talk about this because uh, we it's the beginning of the year and, you know, this list might be drastically different by the end of the year, right? Uh, yours might be, but honestly, like when I look at my list, it's pretty consistent. I think that this year I've added two games to the list that weren't on last year. So maybe a couple will get kicked off by next year, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be too significant. Yeah. I think this is my, at least the range for this episode, these, the, whatever we talk in this episode are probably the most at risk of getting kind of shuffled around a little bit. Maybe some, some movers that will move up and then some will probably get knocked off uh, by the end of the year, depending on kind of what games gets to the table a little bit here. Yeah. So like spoiler alert for you guys, Johnny and I have already like, seen each other's top 25 uh games and it kind of sparked the reason why we're doing this podcast but i'd like to say that for the record johnny's list has changed so dramatically over the what three years i've known you now and i'm so proud of you (laughs) like you've you finally become the man that i always knew you could be okay and this is just you've become a great gaming partner like everything is perfect i think i wanted to think that i was a great always a great gaming partner you know and i just evolved to just like ascend it to the next level you know like i was just like super saiyan level now because of all the trash that i've been put through it's just all the hyperbolic training with all the all the crazy games that you've like like uh forced me to play against my will kind of deal that is actually there's a lot of truth to that. Like I can't argue because like <laughs> you just you just you just beat me down to the point where I was like I can't offer any more resistance because <laughs> Dudley's just gonna hate on any game that I introduce. So I just gotta play his games now. He's just he's the only one that's gonna he, he just need to make him happy. So he stops beating me down with all these games. That's how I make all my friends. <laughs> Complete so, submission. Yeah. So Johnny, I want to like start off this talk by asking you, what was your criteria? for picking your top 10 games like what what made you decide that these were the 10 best games of your collection or 10 favorite games would be more accurate yeah so i just pulled pub meeple up and then i did the i pulled the top 100 ranked games that i have um of all time that i played and ranked or graded at least and then i just my criteria is using the bgg um rating system like you know i think seven is you know would love to play would suggest it and i picked all the games i rated around seven and up and then i filtered into that list and i kind of went from there 10 obviously is going to be a game that i'm always down to play and then when i filtered as i was ranking the games and everything um when it got really you know for the the top 10 games it starts you start kind of they start slotting to their spots i started thinking like when would i pick this over this or well i always pick this over this and then it's just kind of so as i work my way up the list it's just a matter if given the choice of on a game day um and i had only played one of these two games like which one would i pick and that's how i kind of decided from there yeah mine was kind of similar to yours too i used pub meeple also i kind of loosely looked at the bgg standard ratings but honestly Every time a game would come up and I had to choose between two, I always imagined like 
I am picking this game over this game with the ideal player count and the ideal conditions, like down to like even exactly who I'm playing with, because there's going to be a lot of games in my top 10 that I would not pull out with even people that I enjoy playing with all the time, just because it just wouldn't work for them. But I still factor in like how much I enjoyed that play in that specific scenario and also, like, not going to lie, some of the stories that come out of the games also factor a lot into how much I like that game, even if I would consider it, like, mechanically inferior to another game, so to speak. Yeah, you're, I think your list is going to be a little bit more, um, like, geared towards that. Like, I just picked it on, like, oh, on a, any given day, like, um, I didn't really consider, like, optimal player counts. I was like, just, like, what game would I typically be more in the mood to play? Like, these are the, my top 10, like... I think every game on there is a nine or 10 at least, or most of them are tens or close to being a 10, um, like nine, nine and a half. And then, you know, the few tens that I've given. Um, so I was just picking like, Hey, you know, like how often can I get this game played? And, you know, do I see myself getting tired of it anytime soon or anything like that? So that's, that's kind of an extra factor that kind of factored in when I was really kind of narrowing down that top list. Yeah. So I guess this is as good a time as any to start because my number 10 game is, Actually, my number 10 and my number nine game is the pure embodiment of what I was just saying, like how I only play these games very rarely and with very specific player groups and counts. But each time I do, it's just like an incredible experience. Number 10 is Batman Gotham City Chronicles, which I've played like a total of, I don't know, maybe like five or six times now. And every single time, it's just like the most thematic and epic experience. And like this game gets a lot of hate because of a really, really terrible rule book. And honestly, like there's a ton of iconography and the designers and publishers did a terrible job of providing you the resources in order to manage all this information. I spent almost as much money printing out player aids, uh, getting like custom cards made that had all like each hero's individual abilities that are easy to read. I painted every single mini in this game. There's like 150 something minis painted all of them all for six plays. But this is like the most thematically on point Batman game I have ever seen and or played. It is just an awesome experience every time. And honestly, if you can get past like the really terrible rules, or if you have a really good teacher, which isn't me, by the way, yeah, that I've only played once with you and uh, we messed up from the, from the get go. We I messed think. up real bad, but uh, like <laughs> it's not a good time when, when you break down this game, it is a hyper efficiency resource management puzzle. Like, yeah, there's a ton of dice in it and it does cause a lot of swinginess and randomness, but you roll so many dice that all like it kind of averages out and it ends up being just like this really cool, really fun, tight puzzle that you have to navigate. And one of the biggest criticisms about this game is that, well, I'm Batman. The most fun parts about being Batman is running around punching things. It's like, yeah, 
that might be fun, but Batman's the world's greatest detective. Like, if you want to run around and punch things, play a Superman game. Like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, what like that game? I'm trying to remember. It's been so long since we played it. It was. It felt like a like it had a lot of depth and everything because uh, even for one versus all game, it was my, I think that was my first exposure to one v all game, or at least of that weight. And it was. It had a. It, like um, I felt like the flow between like me and my partner were playing the heroes and you're the villain, I think. And then, but I felt like the turns were pretty snappy still at the end of the day, but you still had a lot to, to manage with the resources and then the actions that you could do in that game. So I'm hopefully we'll get to play it again soon. I'm, I'm definitely going to try to get a play in sooner than later, man. Like thinking about and talking about it now, I'm just like, it's so hard to find the right player account for this. But when, when it does, when you do, it just absolutely is so much fun. Player counts between three, four, and five are all perfect because, like, the game has so many different player count specific scenarios. You never run into like a imbalance in it, like situation. You know? Yeah. So it scales with the whatever whatever your play group size is, basically. Mm-hmm. Love it. Number all right. ten. All right. Uh, my number ten is Champions Midgard. This is probably the lightest game on my top ten. I would say. Um, but it's just, uh, it's one of my early euros and I still have a good time playing it. You know, if it plays really well from four to, or you can play, it plays well at, even at two players. Cause I play it so much at two as well, but it plays well at from two to five players. It's a, I think it's like Ray Fox games, like number one hit of all time for me. Um, it's just i enjoyed the it, like the game is a euro but it has a kind of a narrative arc and pacing to it because from round to round you're building up your armies you're fighting and then even when you're not the person that's a uh, fighting the monsters and everything you're still rooting for other people as a as they roll or rooting against them it's just the that little it's a worker placement but the dice combat in that game just adds this little nice wrinkle to the traditional euro collecting trading resources because you're not really you convert some resources in the game because to get cer- certain things but the the meat of the game is positioning to fight the monsters and everything i thought that was a really nice nice mechanic that i still enjoy to this day dude like champions of midgard is like the pioneer of like a hybrid euro ameritrash game and like i remember when i first got into this hobby like champions of midgard was one of those games where it's like if you're new to this hobby like you totally have to play this and like try it but like i could just not get past the way like the cards laid out on the board you know and like you're going around trying to fight these monsters or do these quests and it's just like you're so hard to please sir i i mean like i i have no reason that i see this and i'm just like ew gross like it's just something (laughs) about the way the cards were presented and like you're like oh i'm gonna take this action to go battle this monster and the monster is like a card with a number for health on it I don't know. Like it's just it never landed. Such a with weird me. and odd complaint to me, but it's, that's that's your that's your uh, mo. So I guess I, I'm not surprised or anything like that. This game used to be your number one of all time, didn't it? Uh, top three for sure. Um, but you know we've played. You know now that I've played well, this is like one of those games that has well no this is more narrative experiences. This game still gives gives a narrative experience and everything, but it doesn't compare to some of the games that are in my top five though. Even like playing together with you, I remember when you introduced me to this game and like I was still kind of early on in like my gaming career because like I still liked playing and owning a ton of Euros and I was like, eh, it's okay. But like now that I'm like the Euro guy again, I wonder if I could like give it another chance. 
I don't what know. Are you well, talking it's a game. It, it's this is like the perfect. This is still the perfect like intro worker placement game in my opinion. I I've taught it to non gamers and they picked it up and play it and everyone just has fun playing it and and um I just like I said the flow of it like obviously if I'm more experienced I can be a little more efficient but even if I'm efficient the dice still throw enough a wrinkle and keep you guessing so it's just it it just plays so well and the for all the mechanics just blend well together and like you said this is like that first kind of hybrid design like you know all the the new euros that are a little bit more trashy or have more streamlined mechanics this this game was kind of what opened my eyes to um not wanting to play just like a vanilla euro like concordia or something like that because they all kind of i was exposed to all those games right around the same time and you know if in 2016 you know when i was playing champions of midgard with concordia i probably had both of those games ranked in my top 15 or something at that time concordia still ranks as like one of the ugliest games i've ever seen it's not even in my top 100 anymore it fell completely off the list so i mean honestly like the fact that you even said that it's not in your top 100 is like not surprising. Like it, it like a hundred games, like that's like over half of your collection. So it like does not, so I'm surprised you even still own it. I don't own it. I got rid of it right during the pandemic purge. Good call. <laughs> number yeah, nine. <laughs> All right, moving on. So number nine is a game that we both really enjoyed but we could never, we just cannot get this stupid game to the table. Can you guess what it is? It's a game we both enjoy that we can't we get to the table? We both really loved it. Well, at least I really loved it. I think you just liked it a lot. Is it Rising Sun? No, two players, bro. Oh, two player games that we both like that, that can never get I to the table. I simp for this company so hard. Oh, it's not. It can't be too many bones. No, you didn't like too many bones. Oh, That's Cloud Spire. Cloud oh Spire. my God! How many of this? How much of that? Like little brief thinking period. Am I going to have to edit it out? Was it like two minutes that you had to come up with that? I just forget. Chip their games. I know. It's, I know you simp for, but I didn't think their games would be like this slow in the rank for you. I, I'd figure it's too many bones. I forgot about Cloud Spire to be honest. Exactly. Like so, Cloud Spire is just like Batman. I love this game. It's so fun. Even like when we played, we both were like, this is really great. We finished like one of the campaigns and we just never got back to it. You even said like, oh man, I want to get Cloudspire back to the table. But it's just like, I don't know why. We just can never get it. Cloudspire is probably the most heavy chip theory game out there. It's like kind of like a hybrid MOBA kind of type game, tower defense type game, and you can play like solo, co-op, and competitive. And basically you play these asymmetric factions and you kind of have like build these like armies and tech them up and then like they follow this like pre-programmed style movement and there's a lot of like, I guess just really planning and like mapping out the distance that your units are moving because all the combat everything is very deterministic there's no dice rolling your units have a certain attack value a certain health value and they just fight and if they lose they die and the whole point of the game is to destroy the other base i love this game because it just tickles all the little parts of my brain that loves tech trees base building tower defense and even though this is one of those games just like Batman, 
there's so many abilities, so many units, so many things you're constantly keeping track of. But once we actually got like in a good rhythm with our campaign, I felt like it moved really quickly. And we like had a really fun puzzle that we had to work through. And even though I feel that the competitive mode of this game is maybe a little broken or a little too long and drawn out, our co-op play was awesome. I think co-op and solo for this game is great. And I kind of feel like if it was marketed more as such, this game would have had a much better reception than it did. Yeah. I wasn't aware that it even had a co-op mode when you were telling, I knew it had, it was a PVP game from, you know, my impressions and just, you know, glancing at it, but the co-op mode was never something I didn't realize. But when you said there was a co-op, you know, obviously I was interested and it's a, like you said, it's a great game. It's just, it, it's great, but there's just games that are a little bit better to it. And then this game is heavier. So it's a little bit harder to get to the table. So it gets passed over very often, but I'll never turn down a game of this either. I mean, I wouldn't either, but like, it's funny. We both are here saying like, oh, we'll never turn down a game. I own this game. I still never suggest it because it's <laughs> such a beast to like set up, pull out and play. But you know, this might be the kind of thing where the next home con, we just like only have the two of us and we could play Cloud Spire and stuff all day. Yeah. It's just like a, a two, uh, one shit wonder day or something like yeah, that. Celebrate it's a- the or Wonder one year, con. or be a one chip, yeah, one chip con or something like that. OCW con. <laughs> it's just me and you playing two player campaign games all day. Oh, dude, that sounds I mean, awesome. That sounds actually. amazing. Yeah, I was like, wait, like this does not <laughs> yeah, sound like a bad great, idea. Like, at all. Yeah. <laughs> What's your number nine? My number nine is probably going to be. A, we're going to probably hear more about this later down, so we'll keep it short. But it's StarCraft the board game. Um, this this wasn't even on my list. Like it hasn't been. I I think because this is a first year i ranked every single game i played versus just my collection so i was pretty surprised that you know it, i knew it was gonna be high but i didn't think it'd instantly be my top 10 once i factor in all the games i've played so um yeah starcraft the board game um it's i've only played it twice but i you know it's been the game is just it's it's unique uh and you know we talk about being burned out on like area control games and everything and starcraft is definitely an area control game but it has so much more going on with the like you know holding down to score the the objective points or whatnot and it just does the being familiar with the ip helps a lot too because i did grow up on playing starcraft the original one and this that tacked in with the the board game mechanics um that kind of bef- this is the the granddaddy to uh forbidden stars which i like as well but this one's because the ip and everything is just it just works really well for me but we'll save this talk for for the for next episode yeah let's put a pin in this but you're yep. Absolutely right. One thing I do want to say is that when you showed me your top 25 list and I saw like Starcraft at number nine, I'm almost positive like a tear just rolled down my face (laughs) because never Uh, in a million years would I assume or not even assume would I guess after one play it made your top 10. That makes me so happy. You have no idea. Okay. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if you shed more tears down the line here. <laughs> there will be a lot of tears, but only because, like, I already know what your number one is. Okay. All right. Uh, my number eight, which I know will show up again too. Actually, this might be a simultaneous crossover because is it Cthulhu Death May Die for you? Uh, no, but it is on the list. Cthulhu Death May Die is probably the best version of a zombicide type game I've ever played. Okay. It's like a like 
survival horror game where you're just facing constant waves of enemies and you're rolling tons of dice to try to fight them and survive and get out. But the thing that makes Cthulhu Death May Die so much better than any Zombicide game is that one, the scenarios are so diverse and so modular. You can play a scenario pick a elder uh elder one to fight against and then you also have asymmetrical investigators that you can pick from each of them having a very unique power and then as you play and you're fighting these monsters you have a chance to roll these tentacles that give you insanity and the game does this really awesome thing where every time you go insane you level up and you get more abilities. And the whole time you're playing, you're like, I want to survive. I want to fight. But I'm also slowly killing myself. Every time you get more insanity, you get stronger. But once you reach the end of your insanity track, you die. And by either pure genius of design or complete dumb luck, every single game I have played has come down to the wire. A wide range of players that I've played this with all have been amazing games. And like almost every single time, I can even remember like my friend Charles and Chan, us playing it together. And it came down to literally the very last roll of the game to win. And it was just epic every single time. And I have no idea how they were able to accomplish that every time. Yeah, I don't understand it either because I literally just played this game yesterday and like this game Wait, you never on. like blow out the scenario or anything i played with mark and melissa because i had the day off yesterday bro thanks for the invite it, was, it plays best at three you said it yourself yeah me mark and melissa <laughs> okay <laughs> no this is me me mark and my 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 arkham crew <sighs> but uh yeah like you either you just get blown out because you know you eat yourself into a room thinking you'll you'll you know go pyromaniac and kill all the cultists but then you roll all blanks still the top 10 memory by the way (laughs) then you then you just lose turn two but uh yeah like like either you're gonna get blown out completely or you get down to that very last turn because that's exactly what happened yesterday first scenario just bombed it you know we died before the we could even like break the disrupt the ritual second we we replayed it just re-racked with some new characters and like it came down to like we had we had a little bit of cushion, but one more turn, and it was like that. After that mythos phase, it's either do it that we were gonna die. Like the we're all low in HP. One person was already dead, and it's just like we just gotta finish off the elder one. So it always just comes down to that last turn. And every game that I played with you is, or anyone else has always been like that similar setup too. And I, I really, it's kudos to that design. I don't know how they did it, or like how it feels so balanced like that. I honestly have no idea either. It's like. Something magical happens every time I play that game. It's yeah. like, it's honestly a shame because this is one of those games where we talk about before. It's like, I love Cthulhu Death May Die. Why aren't we playing this all the time? I have no idea. Yeah. We just don't for some reason. I mean, we almost played it last time, but then we pivoted to Guards of Atlantis. So I don't happened. regret that. I don't regret either, but you know, it's just something always gets in the way of these, kind of these games in this, in this range. Yeah. What's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is a feast for Odin. This game, I think I had before last year, and when I started playing, I think I had this game rated like a five or a six. 
Um, and now it's a, I think I have it at a nine or 10. I think, I don't think I have it at 10. I have to look at my, my rankings on it, but I'm pretty sure it's at least a nine. Um, but just, I got really good at it and I played a ton of it. And there's just something about this Euro. Like I don't even like sandboxy Euros, but for this game, I guess, cause I've kind of learned the system, you know, with its 64 actions and whatnot. But when I play competitive games, there's just kind of this ebb and flow of tension, like, um, when do I take this action? When do I take that? Or do I take this action to block somebody? Which is pretty common in a lot of worker placement in Euro games. But this, because there's that plethora of options, it's very satisfying for me to plan out and you know try to execute a strategy while getting that non-direct interaction by kind of seeing, monitoring what other people are doing, watching and see if I can mess them up a little bit. And then while just develop my own board. And then with the tile laying, I think is what separates this game. I, I not the biggest or not great at polyomino games, but this one just it just tickles my fancy, I guess, because it uh, it's very satisfying to fill up those exploration boards and the main board. And you know, I, this is where I can admit uh, in public uh, that uh, that Chris was right. This game is great. Um, I know I gave him a hard time for the longest time on this game, but um, I'm definitely a believer now. I'm gonna edit that part out where you said Chris <laughs> was right. Chris is right. I said it again. You know, it's like this is one of those games that I've actually owned and like tried to play it because I remember when I first got it, Karen was like really into Agricola. Like she always wanted to play Agricola. And I was like, I I feel bad that like her family keeps starving to death. So I was like, what could we play (laughs) where she could have a similar feel, but her family doesn't keep dying. (laughs) And I got a feast for Odin. And I remember like, I took out the board and I looked at all the action spaces and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for us. Like, it's just, there's no way. And I'm kind of salty that like, I never gave it a chance because I owned a physical copy, but now it's like you and Chris are both so good at this game that there's literally no way I could possibly play this and even like have a chance at winning. And I only play euros once. So why even bother at this point? Right. I mean, you could try, see, see what your best score is on your first attempt. I mean, I don't know. Like I usually do best on the first game and I play of something. And then the second game just is like a disaster. So everyone just catches up to you, I guess maybe someday I'll try it, but I don't want to play on a, I don't, I don't think this is your type of game anyway. So it's, and like, I don't want to play this in person too often anyways, but you know, if you ever felt like you want to play it you know, me and Chris will be, we're probably more than game for it. Ugh. 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just hearing you say Chris's <laughs> name makes me not want to play it anymore. <laughs> All right. Me and you will play the Feast Frodo. Oh, hell Just yeah. I'm in bro. Let's do it right now. <laughs> All right. All right. Number uh, seven. Number seven. My number seven is Root. And I feel like at this point, anyone who is in the hobby enough to be like listening to some super obscure podcast of two dudes in Texas, like they probably already know what Root is. Like I can never get tired of playing this game because every time I play, I run into some crazy interaction with some random faction that changes my entire strategy. And I will admit that I am terrible at this game because I started, oh, man, I started Oh for like 13, but I'm on like a five game winning streak <laughs> and I'm going to hopefully keep it that way by never playing it again. 
That's because, well, you'll win if as long as I'm playing with you because you just turn everybody against me. And everyone's always worried about me winning. And then they just let you skate on in for the victory there. Hey, you are the self-proclaimed Euro master. Everyone's got it out for you regardless of whether Root's not even a Euro. It doesn't matter. Everyone's scared of you. Like so LeBron, weird. LeBron could go step foot on like, like in the NFL, and everyone would be scared of him, even if he's never played NFL football. Wow, that's high praise, but I'm definitely not on that level. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you're a worthy adversary, and anyone who plays with us should always know that Johnny is always a threat. You should always no, take I him out not. early. Not if it's an area control game, because I always finish dead last in those games. So don't worry too much about it. Yeah. So Root is like this incredible asymmetrical area control semi counterinsurgency type game and like the thing that i cannot emphasize enough is when i say it's asymmetrical it is super asymmetrical to a point where each faction that you play is not like they just have a different passive ability or some different stats they have a completely different mechanism in how they get warriors onto the board, how they score points, how they build, how they craft items. The game is just a marvel of modern game design because you have this like infrastructure of very common like movement, building, crafting mechanics. And every faction around it puts like this really interesting twist. Like there's a pro there's a faction that's like a programming mini game. There's a faction that's like a more traditional like euro building collecting resources and building buildings to generate points game. There's like deck builders. There's like it's just crazy. I can't even believe like how not only did someone design all these different factions, but they function together in these like hundreds of combinations of ways and still feels overall relatively balanced you know and i'll be the first to say that this game is very hard to get and the thing that sucks about this game is the more you play it the more you know how to interpret the meta and it becomes a way where anyone who is new just like can like will stand no chance like the beauty of this game is building that's meta but building that meta means everyone that's outside of that meta is just never going to be able to compete yeah unless you king make a little bit but yeah i agree that's a legitimate criticism of that game a little bit with the with that developed meta at least for our group's meta it's it's kind of moved in that direction a little bit what's your number uh seven my number seven is Cthulhu Death May Die. Oh uh, man, why didn't you just put it? Why don't you just put it? Almost synced up. Yeah. No, because it's better than a feast for Odin. Why would I do that? That's a good point. It is better than a feast for Odin. I know. I've, there's no. There's no argument there at all. I'd always pick Death May Die over a feast for Odin. Why do you like Cthulhu Death May Die? Uh, well, I had played Arkham. I was already into the Arkham universe by the time I got introduced to to Death May Die. Um, but I never liked Zombie Side enough. But then. Cthulhu Death May Die, how self-contained the episodes are with the mechanics from Zombie Side where, you know, you're still kind of, it's a solo dungeon crawl, or not solo, but like an end of, like a scenario-based dungeon crawl, but the upgrading in the game and managing that sanity track just feels like so satisfying for me because you get to upgrade. There's a, like a nice narrative arc to, to each scenario as well. So it's got, um, 
good story, good mythos, and it's just it's just a nice self-contained experience that I I don't think I have in any of my my dungeon crawl because I don't can't like I don't really have Gloomhaven or any even any dungeon crawl is usually like some big expansive campaign game, but this one it's got cool minis. It's the it's easy to set up, um, and then it's the theme and everything just all blends in together super well for me. All right, can I ask you some hypothetical questions? Go for it. So we both agree that Cthulhu Death May Die is hands down the superior best version of any kind of zombicide game. Mm-hmm. Why do people still make zombicide games? Like, and I, I say this as a guilty party because I just received Marvel Zombies in the mail <laughs> like last week. So it's like, I'm hearing you talk about this. You said that you liked it better than zombicide. I said I liked it better than zombicide. Why the heck did I just spend $700 on a Marvel Zombies all-in pledge when I have like Cthulhu Death May Die collecting dust on my shelf? Like what am and I you thinking just blinged here? It, you just blinged it out too, didn't you? Yeah, I bought like these really sweet like wooden boards. acrylic inlaid player boards. Like they look amazing. I Like I can't yeah, wait to use them. Why did I get Marvel Zombies? Is there something like about Cthulhu Death May Die that will deter people who love zombicide from picking it up uh i don't know i i know the marketing for it wasn't the best but this they, they had their second kickstart and it seemed like it did really well yeah. um is it i know really, when it first is it even that much heavier of a game than marvel zombicide i wouldn't uh, not really i don't think so yeah. i think they're about the same weight maybe like one's like a three or not 3.5 but like a 2.5 that one's like a 2.6 at, at best yeah so i wonder why there's so many zombicide games and i also wonder why i was stupid enough to buy one of those <laughs> i mean it's the ip and then you saw how sweet those minis were the minis for, are uh, sweet side. actually you know that's what? the only reason i wanted to back it yeah the marvel the marvel minis are awesome i know it's i was I, the only i don't have no i've after um demoing it um, I knew I had no regrets not backing it, but oh, like yeah. every time I see those minis, I'm like, Ugh, God, I still want, no, I wish dude. I had it. Just this to, is just to pull out and admire, you know? Yeah, this is absolutely not the kind of game you need to own, mostly because I own it. So okay. like, just help me justify my purchase. Okay, I won't late pledge it then. Oh my it's God, like, I swear, if you late pledge it, I'm gonna like intercept it at your house and just <laughs> burn it. This is why I can't tell you what I back because then then you'll then you'll try to come down and break break my yeah, stuff. Yeah, dude. Over like the last like month or two, you just like randomly will message me and be like, "Oh, I forgot I backed this," and I'm like, "What's like, how, like? <laughs> I thought we were friends. I thought we communicate daily. Like, what's going on here? Like, how are you not I telling like keep, me these things? I gotta keep you on your toes. But no, I literally just forget stuff all the time now. It's this life of being a parent. <laughs> all the parents out there get it. You'll get it soon enough." I hope not, because, like, I, like, already am at the point where I'll get an email from, like, oh, Pledge Manager is closing. I was like, when did it open? <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, like, I didn't realize I had backed, like, a dollar on Aeon Trespass or whatever, and then I keep getting these emails. Oh, this is your last chance. I'm like, I don't want this game. What was it? What moment in time did I even look at that Kickstarter? Or, and be like, oh, this is a game I want. Or you're sleepwalking. And your subconscious right. is doing things that there's real conscious you is like unwilling to do. All right. So whenever we go to Gen Con next time or Cabin Con or any of those future stuff, you make sure I have an individual room and just lock me in it then just for everybody's safety. Just what do you mean? You still have your phone. What am I, I going to do? <laughs> Take your phone from you? I mean, but yeah, what if I sleepwalk? If I'm sleepwalking, the, you know, my phone's not the only danger. Yeah. It's you're, you're not a sleepwalker. You're a sleep backer. Okay, there you go. There you go. 
All right. And then down to our last game of this podcast. My number six is Nemesis and Nemesis Lockdown. So truth be told, I actually kind of cheated on this list. Uh, Nemesis Lockdown is number six for me. And Nemesis, like base game Nemesis is number eight. It felt kind of silly, like having two Nemesis in my top 10. So I just kind of lumped them together in number six. If you don't know what Nemesis is, it is a super thematic space alien like simulation everyone is whether you're playing lockdown or base nemesis you're trapped on either a space base on mars or you are trapped on a ship flying through space everyone wakes up with amnesia and they try to fulfill their individual objectives that every player gets at the beginning of the game And the beauty of this is that some of the objectives are actually going to require you to hurt another player. So as you're trying to survive, you have to count on each other to be able to keep the ship or the base in functional order, as well as mitigating any kind of damages to the ship or base, and also fighting all the aliens that pop up in this like base or ship. Okay, I gotta stop saying base or ship, just in the game. And... As you're doing this, you're going to build relationships with your other players. And you're like, well, Johnny is also helping me do this. He must have a similar objective. And lo and behold, his whole goal was just to lock you in a room and throw a grenade in there and set it on fire. So the whole base just doesn't ever restore power and all the aliens overrun it and you lose. (laughs) It's a terrible, terrible feeling. But I love it because... Every single game of Nemesis I've played has basically been a reenactment of a sci-fi space horror movie. The craziest stuff goes on. And like every single game leads with these amazing stories that I always remember still. And every single play, I've never won. I don't think anyone's ever... Oh, that's not true. I did win one game. Like probably my second game ever, but... After like eight or nine plays now, I never get tired of it. It's always a hilarious adventure. Weird stuff happens and you just can't help but laugh even when you die. And every time I play it, it just gets better and better for me. I don't know why. There's The mechanics are relatively bare bones. There's a ton of randomness. But it's just hilarious. Like We laugh so much playing uh, Nemesis and it's just so stupid i love it i love this game i had to mute myself because whenever i like you said lockdown and throwing the grenade to like start the fire like uh i just i still laugh thinking about that moment like when i was trying to come down to help you and then you're like oh just throw this grenade in there and blow the generator or like create this fire and then you're like oh wait you don't have a way then asking me to put out the fire like i was like (laughs) what the hell am i gonna do with the how am i gonna put out the fire i'm just here to help fight off the aliens here i don't know why i threw that grenade (laughs) I still don't understand my thinking of that. It was like, there's an alien in the room. We need to get into the room. All right, I'm going to throw this grenade in there. All right, the room's on fire. The alien has left. But now no one can go in because the room's on fire. And I did not think that through (laughs) at all. 
Well, yeah, it was late in our, our gaming night, but yeah, this is Nemesis. Like, uh, it's I can see foresee this game being a fast mover if we can, because you know I'm basing a lot of my feelings towards this game off that one play that we had, and I'm hoping to replicate with future plays. But this game is, you know, it, it can definitely be one of the fast movers up my my top top lists in the in the near future, depending on how often we get it played. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, like I remember one of the things I told you was like you gotta stop looking at this game like a strategy game. There is no strategy. Yeah. It's honestly just a kind of social deduction party game and you just run around and like basically RP as if you were in the ship. What would you do? How would you do this? And ever, ever since I adopted this mentality, it's like just always so much more fun than it has any right to be. And I will say this game is thousand percent group dependent if you don't have a group of friends that just like to be silly and like i mean you want to play the game true to its nature and try to win you know it's not that fun when one person's like going around setting rooms on fire and like triggering aliens intentionally yeah but any any type of gamer like that in any game is gonna ruin it for you but if you have that group of like friends that you can like joke with and build like a a storyline with as you have multiple plays of this game it just absolutely kills it like everyone that i play with always requests to play nemesis whenever i can to a point where i'm just like guys maybe we could try something else i feel like being strategic today nope let's just play nemesis okay fine i'll set it up (laughs) I mean, yeah, RP is the way now, I think. I think that's my mindset after playing Descent and you forcing me to, like, voice, like, 10 different characters in that game. Um, but, you know, I've always been... I've always had a big imagination growing up. That's why I think Euros still work for me because as long as the, the art presentation's amazing and the mechanics tie into the theme, um, then I can kind of just immerse myself by just filling in the gaps of my imagination. And Nemesis kind of gives you that big sandboxy world of sci-fi horror and... Once I shifted from, hey, you know, strategizing, how do I do this, this to win the game? And just like, hey, I am now a medic stranded on a ship. I don't know who to trust and just played to I'll play within the rules of the system. But like in my mindset, I'm playing as a medic and like trying to do things. And what would I do as a the or add that human component with the RP to it? And like I just made that's opened up that game for me. And I'm looking forward to trying these like other games or modern game designs that are kind of like this big narrative experience and just leaning into the RP. So Gives you a little bit of hope for Iridia down the line too here. Yeah, I'm very hopeful for Iridia. I will say like when I first met you and I had basically just like, like just judged me, not judged, but <laughs> walked just, in like, oh, look at all these euros. These I are just me assumed play you were well. a dry euro guy. You know, I oh, okay. saw the, I saw the Felds. I saw the like Canizias. I saw like all the Uwe's. I'm like, so that's oh, why you bought Black Angel God, over. <laughs> this guy over. I guess I'll try to be friends with him. Maybe I could learn to like euros, but I know I never thought you would like nemesis. Like, you know, when uh starcraft showed up in your top 10 and then like that day where you're like, man, I'd really like to play nemesis again. I literally was like, dude, what the heck has happened to you? Like, I still want to play nemesis. Maybe we'll get it to the table this weekend or something. Oh God. Chris will never play nemesis again. Although I will say, I kind of feel like if he played Nemesis with us, it might change how he feels about Nemesis, but I still don't know. 
I think it would it would give it a bump because I think uh, we would make the experience a lot better for him. Maybe well, you know he's you know like everyone else, we base a lot of our our games on our our first impression, and sometimes getting certain rules wrong or just not getting like you know the approach like the approach that we had or my initial approach to strategizing if you don't have the right mentality. Nemesis is a is a hater love a game depending on how you approach it. For sure, especially like for him being a dry Euro guy, like. He likes Hansa Teutonica. I mean, how could anyone who likes Hansa Teutonica that much really get into Nemesis? Hey, Kane likes it too, so and he likes Nemesis, so I don't know. Kane was just being nice. No one no one <laughs> likes Hansa Teutonica, dude. Like, did you I'm see gonna, the I'm, board art? Did you see no, the box? I, you know how I feel about Hansa, and I will never defend that piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh what's your number six? Number six, um, what well, what do you think my number six is? Oh, I'll tell you, it's man. a euro. All right, it's a euro. So let's see. So that helps got, you. Number ten for you was Champions of Midgard. Number nine was uh, Starcraft. Starcraft. Eight was Feast. Wait, what was it? A Feast for Odin was number oh, eight. Oh, Feast for Odin. Then Cthulhu Death May Die. If number six is a euro, I am going to say it is. Great Western Trail. That that is it. This yeah. is a former number one game for me here, but it's it's definitely fallen off a little bit. Maybe from a little bit of lack of plays, and I think I've been playing the second edition too much too. And I kind of I, I I rated these games separately at one point. I do like the original better than the second edition, but I've been playing the second edition more, and it's too loosey goosey a little bit. So it's not as a uh, tight as the first one. Um, but I played the first one too on Board Game Arena, and we touched on some older episodes. But the game is kind of run its course a little bit for me. Um, I still it's still ten. I think the design is amazing. I like the flow of it, all the mechanics for a euro just work um, works so well and it has deck building which i dislike but it it somehow makes that work really for me i never have a bad time playing it but it's uh, i can't really pick it over any of my top five games anymore at this point and i still want to say it's the highest ranked euro i have on my list but everything else has been crowded out now um so this is just part of the theme of me continuing my evolution from pure euro to Pure I don't know trash. some kind of metamorph, not pure trash, but <laughs> just more, more omni like the tr- a true omni gamer now. Yeah, I mean you got a pretty good split just in your uh, bottom five alone. I think you had like two euros and three Ameritrash games, which is like pretty three. good. Is a three euros, two Ameritrash. Oh, definitely die in Starcraft. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good. I mean that's pretty yep. balanced. But if none of your top five are euros, then maybe you are coming towards the dark side. It feels like it. Oh, I love it. But I mean, maybe we can do an episode on just like the topic of Euros. I feel like the Euro field is getting super stagnant. I I know it hits you faster than me, but as you know, the Euro, the resident, true resident Euro guy in our group. (laughs) Well, um, excuse me. I feel feel that Euro burnout. Like, like there's nothing on the horizon I'm looking forward to. Um, And it's just one of those things where like, I don't know, that design space needs needs something to to jumpstart it. I'll have you know, my last two purchases were both Euros. I, I know, but, and I can't wait to talk about it when you sell it. You, you <laughs> I think one's your, already listed for self. trade. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, yeah, I definitely would love to sit and talk about that because it's like, well, you know what? We'll save it because let's I, save it. That's, I a, go that's a good topic. I can talk. We can talk. Yeah, yeah. We'll save that. Episode 27, maybe, or 26. So now that we wrapped up uh, our bottom five, I want to kind of reflect a little bit you know some of these questions i'm gonna save for when we finish our top 10 but 
for this episode, are there any notable exceptions in like your 11 through 20 that you are surprised that didn't make your top 10 or games that you, I guess, like just moved up, I guess. I don't know. Anything notable? Um, notable wise, not particularly. Uh, I know there are some, some games that are, have been climbing up just a little bit and but it's still it's still pretty consistent you know i think the biggest surprise in my top 20 at least that 11 through 20 range is a uh, uh capers europe you know it's such a light it's a lighter game but i've i think it's, it's like i think i rated an eight but i always like playing it i introduce it to anyone for a quick two-player game um but yeah it's that's that's a surprise to me because you know two-player games usually or just kind of like that fall that filler category. So I was surprised when I was ranking it. Like, oh, I think I have it. I have it actually higher than Agricola now. And Agricola used to be a top ten game. Wow. So, I the reason why I asked you was like, I I'm sitting here with my top twenty five list in front of me, and a couple things like really stand out. You know, like at the beginning of this podcast, I was talking about how when I pick my list of games, I really factor in like the optimal player count, which based on like, you know, what I've talked about with you personally, and also a little bit on the podcast is like Imperium Legends, Imperium Classics is probably like my favorite, one of my two favorite solo games, but they didn't crack my top 10. Like they're great games. I love playing them. But when I think about like, oh, my optimal player count is never going to be one. I always want to play with other people, whether it's two, three, ten, doesn't matter. So, like, no matter how good these games are, they're never going to be that high on the list. Final Girl came in at 15, and Imperium came in at, like, 17. But the craziest thing that I noticed, like, I'm looking at this list. The most notable mention of a game that did not make my top 10 was right outside at number 11, which was Unsettled. I love Unsettled, and it actually kind of hurts me that I couldn't even talk about it in my top 10 list because, like, I really enjoyed playing it. I know that when we played it, you didn't have that quite same feel, and hopefully we can, like, have a full deep dive review of it someday. But before we do, I want to have you play a second play before we get to that point because you are, like, in a food coma, and I don't think that factor should be negatively influencing the game's score. That's true. I, you know, most unless I absolutely hate a game, I can al- I'll always be a down to try at least a second or even a third time, depending on how that second play goes through. So I'll, I have an open, I still have an open mind towards myself. I haven't fully made up my mind, but yeah, I, I didn't love it or anything. I don't love it as much as you do. Like that's that's was pretty obvious. Oh yeah, but I mean that's it's not like I'm trying to convince you, but I don't. I I guess really is like I don't I want, want you to miss you out on a potentially great game because the conditions were suboptimal for your enjoyment. Like, I really do think that you would like it. Maybe not as much as I do, but it would be the kind of thing where you're like, all right, I see I see the hype behind this. So yeah, I won't... We, my list today is a, is a testament of my ever-changing perspective. So what, definitely we'll see how the second place go and then we can, mm-hmm. we can pot so, about it maybe. The other thing that I noticed about my list while looking at it is right after Unsettled, there is a huge, huge drop-off on games that I feel like I absolutely cannot like 
not own and just kind of quickly going through it, starting with, I guess, technically number 12, Zaya, Burn Cycle, Final Girl, The Crew, Imperium. Dogs of War is a surprise spot at number uh, 19 yeah. after one play at Home Con. Then it's just yeah, like... That's wild. Yeah, it's like random games. It's like Marvel United, Rising Sun, Wonderland's War. Like, I would be fine without any of these games after Unsettled. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I have over 100 games, but I really only care about these 11. Like, this is a weird, like, existential crisis that I'm kind of going through right now, and I really could use some help. <laughs> like, I don't know how to feel. You know, like, as you're analyzing it, and I'm looking at my, like, kind of 11 through 20, like, uh, there's a, let's see, like, ni- numbers 19 through 24, all Euros, Agricola, Castle Burgundy, Dune Imperium, Grand Austria, Yokohama, Diogenics. But the thing that I've noticed that's a big, like, su- like missing big time from my list during that during the uh, that that little span is like the area control games like mm-hmm. it's i think it's a testament of how burnt out i'm on that genre because that's rising sun's not even up the, of the three like rising sun's not on there onk's not on there blood rage is not on there i think i have mystia at 28 that's like the first true area control game i have on the list i guess eclipses too but that's a more of an eh, economic 4X, hero yeah. yeah 4x yeah that's number 16 so yeah, that's a that's a surprise for me because like air control, like I was all about it early on because like that was like a non-Euro experience for me playing Blood Rage, well, Blood Rage, and then Rising Sun. All those games, like they were all like top fifteen for me at one point. Dude, me too. And honestly, like when I think about my top five, your top ten, and then the lack of area control in the in between ranges. I don't know if it's just area control I'm tired of or if I'm tired of the like Eric Lang Euro area control games, you know? It's like they're doing the same thing over and over with like a new slap of skin and a couple new mechanics. Like I get it. Like there's a lot different between Blood Rage, Rising Sun and Ankh, but like there's just not enough there for me to really just want to dig in and explore it like I do with Root and other games in my top 10, you know? And yeah. I, I echo your sentiment 100% because I loved Area Control. Like, I'm talking Matago Trilogy, all the Simon Area Control games. Like, I, I literally owned yeah. everyone. Like, I swear over half my collection was Area Control. Chaos in the Old World, point. all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, Lords of Hellas, like, it's just like, why did I have so many error control games? I thought I loved them, and like, not even three-ish years later, they all fell off, like, all of them, and the only one that, of the Lane games that I, or not, yeah, they're all Eric Lane games, the only one I feel like I can't get rid of is Rising Sun, and like, that feels weird especially considering it was considered my favorite genre at one point. 
yeah i just can't find a, a reason i just I, I keep hoping i will catch that itch to play it again but like whenever we even schedule these like home cons and like our just big long epic game days i'm like eh, that's at the bottom of the list like like oh yeah maybe i'll get rise of sun because we have five but then we you know we'll pick nemesis now or we'll pick some other games or like you know we have six people we're not gonna play rise of sun, we're gonna play guards of atlantis now so it's it's a weird it's a weird spot in the collection um i still like because i have all the Kickstarter versions of you know all out of print stuff and all that stuff and it's see mine it looks nice on the shelf, so I don't see myself getting rid of those games. But I'm just trying to hope that maybe one day I'll kind of circle back to it. Is there a certain cutoff on your list where all the games below it, if they were to just evaporate from your collection, would you even care? Because like uh, I'm looking yeah. at my list, and if you give me eleven games, the rest of them I think I could live without like indefinitely they like, all are uh, like niche games like for very specific scenarios yeah anything in the top 10 obviously i got the essential parts of my collection um 11 is ultimate railroads um i can see that falling off depending on how my wife takes it once i, I show her how to play it uh stars of akarios i can hey. i still love it hey and number 12 what's hey. up what? i'm looking at your list look at your look at what your number 10 is no, oh yeah, te- well, it's a number 11 technically. It's a it's a Oh, is, you're right. I had to okay, it down. sorry. Yeah, I don't want to spoil that, it. You're right. I there's a game I had to slide, but yeah, 11 yeah. is Dwellings of Elderville. <laughs> and that game might get the and get the axe as well too. <laughs> like, bro, you're my optometrist and you can't yeah. even read the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, number 9, Champions of Midgard. Wait, that's number 10 now. Yeah. yeah not, I, I, there, I left off a certain game that uh I had to to fit back into I the top 10 now. there. I remember now. That's my bad. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, Dwellings, like that might get replaced with Andromeda's Edge, which is about to launch in like two weeks, depending on on how that game develops and everything. So um, as far as the games in my like that tier from 11 to like 25, essential to keep, you know, like it's probably Eclipse. That's uh, Eclipse and Arcadia Quest. Like I could, I don't see myself ever parting with those two games. Oh yeah, definitely not Arcadia Quest. Like that's oh, your yeah. like I worked, pride and joy. That's my, yeah, that's my grail game. Uh, when I'm looking at your list, and I see massive darkness at number 13 that cracks me up because like it's so high on your ranking yet I've never played it with you and I don't even know if you've ever played it I played it uh me and Mark have played it two three two, at least three times I think okay that's and then I play with you guys yeah yeah so it's just one of those things where I want to get it painted I want to before I play it again so it's it's kind of fall to the wayside a little bit Dude, I really enjoyed the tutorial mission that we did. Like, I could see oh, yeah. where the game could be, like, really, really fun. Like, I want to dig yeah. into that. But, like, when? Where? How? I know. Yep. It's still, and that's the, it's in the zombie side system as well, too. I forgot. So, maybe, like, this, you know, you got Marvel covered. I got the fantasy RPG covered, I guess. And then uh, we have Death May Die. I yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a trifecta. I can't see anything else. Kind of, at least anything that they designed that space, I don't think I would take a look at at this point. Yeah, uh, I really hope not because we have so many different versions of the same stupid game. <laughs> like, we might as well yeah. do a podcast one day of comparing the Zombicide to the Marvel Dark, uh, Massive Darkness to the uh, Death May Die systems and be like, why do we buy all these games? <laughs> They're all the all, same. I have the, I have the all in Massive Darkness, and then we both have the all in Death May Die, and you have the all in Marvel Zombicide. Why are we it's, so that's stupid? That's a lot of plastic right there. I know. Why are we so stupid, Johnny? But that, man, that's that's a great podcast episode. I, that, that, I, if, we can, if we ever get play more, if you if I can get if we can get Massive Darkness to the table and then Marvel Zombicide, you know, then uh, that's definitely something that'd be cool to talk about. 
Yeah. I swear, though, if any other podcaster suddenly launches this episode, I'm like, I'm going to hunt them down because this is our idea. We got to get this to the, to the table quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, anything else about your top 10 or our top or six through 10 or the in the bottom ranks that that you that we want to still need to hit on? You know, I have 100 games in my collection and over 100 and I'm looking at the fact that I only really care about these top 11. And I'm like, why do I need both copies of the crew? Why do I need both Marvel Uniteds? You know, like, why do I need all these games that I never play? And part of me is like, oh, I'm a collector. And part of me is like, I want a very specific game that is the best at what it does. And... I feel like there's always a time to spice things up because even for me, as much as I love all these games, it's like, I don't want to play Cthulhu death may die all the time. And that's clearly evident because I don't ever play Cthulhu death may die, which is both simultaneously weird and also fitting because as so many games, like I feel like I have to try to play some of these random shelf of shame games, but I'm also kind of hopeful that like, these games also end up being amazing. So like I was telling you earlier this week, actually yesterday, maybe today. I don't even remember anymore, dude. <laughs> it's it's like, all blurs together. I picked up the loop and I haven't really added it to my rankings yet, but like I love this game. Like it is exactly the kind of like fun thinky co-op with like short setup, short playtime. And it's like, I've only played it once and I want to keep digging into it. Like I like it's these kind of scenarios where it's like, why do you have so many games? It's like, well, I picked up this random game in a trade and it turned out to be like a really, really good game. Like it's right in my wheelhouse. Like I actually think you would really like it too. So it's like, I have no problem owning all these games because there will be a time just like, like some of these movers on your list, it's like you never expect them to take off until they do. And suddenly you're like, I'm glad I never got rid of this. You know, you just find something in the game system that just suddenly clicks and it's like amazing, you know? Yeah. I think Everdell is the, is a good example of that for me. Like I know everyone's heard of that game now, but I think it sat on my shelf and strength for at least a year, year and a half. And then I think maybe it's the pandemic. That's when me and my wife, like, busted out just to try it. and then we played like three games that same day while we're in lockdown so it's like there's just certain games where you just kind of hold on to that promise of it or you're like there's a reason why i got it at some point or a game that you considered at least if it's on your shelf or got to your shelf and then it's um, when you do try it and then it hits that's a pretty good feeling yeah it's like i'm looking at this and i see wonderland's war at 23 Blech. and like i know that if i just can get the right group for it it's gonna pop off you know like i know the potential for this game and i just got to find the right group or the right time to play it and it's just it it'll sing so that's why i keep some of these at least but man just thinking about the simon area control games and like all these random games that i'd never play like who knows oh you know what dude like sons of anarchy that's the exact example of a game I've held on for years because of the potential, and we're finally going to get to play it. Knock on wood. 
hopefully. All right. <laughs> yeah, there's still a lot of a lot of days left in. Uh, I know. You could suddenly get like hand, foot, mouth disease or typhoid hey, fever in the process. 17 day streak. 17 day streak into the year. Dude, being sick so far. You literally just jinxed yourself. Like you are going to get sick on Friday, and I'm going to get this message from you. And you're going to be like, "Hey, man." Uh, <laughs> I have explosive diarrhea <laughs> and I've run out of underwear, so I'm going to have to bail on game day. <laughs> I mean, I've, being sick hasn't stopped me before. I remember uh, HomeCon, I got sick midway through Dogs of War, but I toughed it out. So Yeah, that's true. You, you're a trooper, so but you're already you know, here. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's a, that's a wrap for me tonight. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, as always, everyone, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is one chit wonder, and you can always email us at one chit wonder at gmail.com. As always, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, tune in maybe next week, hopefully for the remainder of our top 10 and then a fun wrap up discussion. Thanks, y'all. All right. See you Good guys night. then. Bye. Bye.